Good evening and welcome to the eighth episode of Leadership Conversations in the Development Sector. The social impact sector is full of passionate leaders with innovative outlooks on the world's greatest problems. Our leadership conversations focus on the unique insights offered by these leaders as they share their experiences and move the development sector forward. Our host, Go Barefoot, is an interactive web portal dedicated to the social sector. It brings together individuals, NGOs, NPOs, and the CSR arms of organizations with the mandate of creating a one-stop information website for both networking and knowledge sharing. We are supported by Catalyst, an NGO which has been preparing young women for leadership roles to create equality in opportunities and bridge the gender gap. Also, we are supported by Third Sector Partners, India's only executive search firm exclusively for the development sector. Our guest today is one of the leading lights in the development sector. I would like to extend a warm welcome to Nida Jain, Country Director, India and Director, South Asia at PATH. Thank you, Anjali. Leading lights. My God, you already have me worried now. But thank you for inviting me. I'm really happy to be here. Right. So Neeraj oversees the strategic and programmatic engagement for global and in-country programs implemented across PATH's offices in India. Neeraj is a member of CII's Nutrition and Public Health Committee, where he engages with industry leaders on the need for greater investments in India's public health systems. He's also a member of the Management Committee of the Food Fortification Resource Center to promote large-scale fortification of food across India. Neeraj is on the boards of not-for-profit organizations like Water for People and Digital Green. He is, in fact, a member of the advisory board of CURE, a not-for-profit development organization working with urban informal and low-income communities. Neeraj comes with over 30 years of leadership experience across business development, marketing, and strategic management across Asia and Europe. Neeraj holds a, a graduate degree in business studies from Hong Kong Polytechnic University and completed his post-graduation in business administration with a major in finance from Faculty of Management Studies, University of Delhi. In conversation with Mr. Jain is Sheetal Kakkar Mehra, leadership expert and executive presence coach for CEOs. Sheetal has trained over 75,000 professionals across Asia and has personally coached over 1,000 CXOs in the past two decades. She has conducted workshops for diverse organizations across Asia and has been invited as a speaker by leading these schools and professional associations. She is a best-selling author and her latest best-selling book, Executive Presence, The Poise Formula for Leadership, is India's first research-based formula on this leadership skill. Sheetal is an active philanthropist and a social entrepreneur. I now hand over um, the mic, the podium to Sheetal and Neeraj. Thank you, Anjali. Thank you. Welcome, Neeraj. We look forward to hearing your views. Hi, Sheetal. Good to see you again. And yeah, I'm looking forward to the conversation. What a lovely way to end a day. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so yes, I'm going to ask you our first question, um, which is that the development sector has significantly changed and evolved in the last couple of decades. 
So how has leadership evolved to rise up to this big challenge? Yeah, that's a that's a tough question, Sheetal. And you know, uh, uh, development sector, uh, we generally look at it as, especially when I wasn't in development, I would say, why can't they solve this problem? But uh, really, development is not easy. You know, um, if it was easy, we would have fixed the world's problems. Everybody would have been happy and, you know, there would be equity around. Unfortunately, there are no straight answers. Uh, we The context is changing very quickly, etc., uh, you know, so it, it's 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 a it's a tough place to be, um, and I realized that when I when I transitioned into the sector. Having said that, I think uh, the sector has evolved hugely in the last decade or so. Um, I think COVID is at a point which is an inflection point, which is going to again, you know, take us somewhere else. Uh, I my, when I look into my crystal ball, I see a huge amount of change in the next five years. Um, but what's happened actually, uh, which is really visible, is that uh, the, the sector has become very impatient. Donors have become impatient. Governments are getting impatient. Um, and I think leaders need to really rise up to that. Uh, there, is, there are no large grants for five years, uh, you know, which used to exist. I mean, there used to be five-year, $20, 30000000 million grants that you would sort of develop a plan You'd go with the plan and come back after five years and say, hey, we did this and this is what worked, this didn't work. So that's changed. Uh, there is a lot of impatience. There's also a huge requirement from the sector to really become a thought partner, a thought partner with the system, thought partner with donors, thought partner with uh, the community, and really partner in that thinking process as they go along. So uh, more and more, you know, we need to start engaging and really getting communities to really tell us or, or listen to them. Uh, this, I think the past was about kind of, I know how to do it and I will show you how to do it. And, you know, I will tell the person in the village how they should be growing crops. You know, uh, they know how to grow crops. Uh, they probably can teach you a few things and me, uh, she tells. So, you know, uh, we, 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 I, I worked in the water sector and we would come around and say, we'll tell you how to deal with water, but hey, you know, that's not the way it works anymore. So that's changing. We need to become thought partners. We need to really look at people, listen to people and solve problems based on that. Uh, the other thing that, uh, you know, that has really significantly changed is the whole idea of partnerships. Um, I will do everything on my own is not going to work. You know, uh, understanding what your strengths are, leveraging on that. And also leveraging on other organizations and people's strengths. I think that's going to be absolutely critical. And I think uh, that to me is going to be a game changer. And I've seen that in my own work, that when we have collaborated, we have delivered better. We have been much more effective. We have been much more efficient. And donors like us, so we get more money. You know? So what else do you want? Uh, you know, People like us are constantly chasing funding. To survive, most uh, leaders in the development sector, I think we wake up thinking about where the next uh, round of money is going to come from. Uh, just one, uh, one more thing I want to just say is that uh, you know we used to focus on inputs earlier. What did you do? I trained, right? Then it was about outputs. I trained 100 people, but it's not about that. It's about outcome. What came out of that training and how did it impact? I think that's uh, really important. So just to you know close this question of yours, I think 
that whole focus on impact is yeah. where the development sector has really moved we really need to focus on that and we also need to be very okay with failure we need to be very okay with course correction correct you know course correction is absolutely critical a lot of times we say this is our plan now we'll follow through whether it's working or not it doesn't matter let's just keep going sorry it's not going to work we have to course correct we have to accept that this is not working and what are the changes we're going to make so lots of things i think uh, i've learned uh, the hard way so i'm hoping that some people in the audience will listen to some of those things and probably uh, get it a little bit easier but the sector's changed very, very true i agree with you so now that you brought up covid and leadership now it's very interesting but today corporations are talking about empathy they are talking about collaboration they are talking for, about respect for the employee for the vendor for the environment things which were always existing in the development sector now how will leadership change what do you predict are some of the changes that you you see in the leadership in the, the development sector post covid so uh, firstly i you know uh, i i want to i want to go to the cause of this change first okay um, for the first time ever i think uh, the corporate or the you know the private sector uh, has realized that uh, this is a very you know if development is not equitable it is going to impact everybody you know factories shut down uh, you know cities shut down so if you if you really want to grow economically uh, development is going to be critical and i'm i'm quite happy that covid came along in a way uh, because uh, thanks to covid uh, you know uh, health as a subject public health is now completely political so every election is going to be fought on health so we are going to make a lot of uh, lot of advance there uh, so you can see me smiling all the way um, we are also we are also finding that uh, you know everybody's realized that it's an economic uh, nightmare if we are not able to solve for some of these things so again health will be at front and center uh, i think leaders will have to think from a perspective of collaboration from a perspective of a holistic view you know uh, we used to think okay me my family okay people who work with me now it's not that my you know my mohalla it's not that it's the whole population yeah. you could get covid from anywhere you know so you suddenly got this reality check which says it's not about just my surrounding or my i mean i can afford to go to medanta but what happens to that next person who can't and if they're not getting the right quality of services what's going to happen so that collaboration partnership coming along looking at equity i think that's absolutely yeah. critical i think also uh, some amount of uh, reskilling will have to happen uh, some amount of introspection about you know uh, what is it what is my medium term goal what is my long term goal what is my area of influence and how am i going to actually have impact there Uh, is going to be important impact is going to be important again you know outcome and impact so there again it's not about how many oxygen plants i set up it's about how many lives uh, got impacted with that so uh, that's going to be important so you know those are all the things that are coming together and finally they will have you know we will all have to become much more agile much more responsive which is all good for us it's all good for development it's great for development and it's not just health while health is going to be front and center and i'm very happy because i work in the health sector but it's going to be about water sanitation it's going to be about education it's going to be about poverty alleviation it's going to spread across um, so leaders will Super. have to yeah i agree with you that the government and the uh, development sector and the corporate sector will have to now work cohesively 
because uh, covid has shown how even at the grassroots level everything was done by the development sector so uh, you know it was um, big learning uh, i'm just going to change tracks and uh, talk to you about leadership um, when it comes to helping develop talent you know so how does your organization proactively help develop potential leaders which are what are some of the best practices possibly some international and domestic programs so uh, you know if you could share light uh, shed light on that sure um, i don't think programs help develop develop leaders at all you know i think it's culture which develops leaders and i think we need to understand that very quickly because we always feel you know there's a program officer junior program officer will become a senior program officer they uh, after another 5 7 years they'll become a you know probably a manager and so on and so forth uh, that's that's how we've lived our lives like that's how the development sector lived it is really not about that it is about creativity it is about innovation it is about letting them fail um you know and really let, uh, letting them think i think a lot of time we don't even let them think the way our programs are written i found program officers actually don't have to think you know they could just continue to follow that document and just deliver you know is line item mein ye hai just keep delivering on that line item and make sure that money is spent you know we have a burn rate concept in development and uh, i hate the word but it's it's actually burn rate how fast are you burning the money are you burning the money the way you had committed or not and i'm like why do you need to burn the money you know use it effectively <laughs> but anyway and i'm sure a lot of the people who are in this uh, call who are from the sector will agree with me but it's really we really have to uh, change that we have to let you know leaders come out i've seen leaders come out in path and and i think path follows that philosophy we want every leader every person in the first line second line third line fourth line to be an entrepreneur go out there try something out fail if you if you will but try something new so i think creativity is going to be absolutely important and unless we unleash that we aren't going to have leaders we'll have managers but we're not going to have leaders so i think that's uh, from my side that's one very important thing i think also we need to start celebrating failures we don't talk about failures you know um we only talk about our successes how do we celebrate failure because the failure teaches us quite a bit and some things they fail today and they'll be very successful in a few years i mean to give you an example this uh, new vaccine that's coming uh, from zydus cadilla you, you know it's got a non uh, uh, you dna based uh, yeah but it's got a machine which uh, delivers the vaccine without an injection it's called farmajet and that farmajet was developed in our labs 7 8 years ago it's a failed product and now all of a sudden it's like it's uh, you know uh, going to make waves there i think also we need to push to impact you know we need to we need to in development especially we need to push people to think about impact how many people were you actually able to make a difference in and be transparent about it be okay with the fact that you weren't able to or you tried but it failed and i'm going to course correct be okay with course correction you know we were always afraid about going back to donors and saying listen this is not working and now we want to change the program this was this is the fear in the development sector get over it donors are very happy when you go back to them and say this is not working i mean some donors may pull out your grant but you know that's a risk worth taking but it's worth going back and saying listen this is not working guys can we please change this yeah. so, and this is how it may work let's try it out if it doesn't work we'll uh, you know we'll change again and finally career paths you know we always think about career paths internally 
I think about career paths externally. I want all my staff to go to a WHO or a UNICEF or a World Bank. You know, go and get those big jobs there. You know, so career paths are uh, extremely critical, and we've had huge success in that. You know, and my HR hates me because I am the referee for most of my teams who go to these great jobs. But these people have gone there and really uh, built uh, that alumni of uh, of path, which is absolutely stellar. So let's think of career paths beyond. You know, we're not bonded labor. We are here to do a job, and we're here to build our careers. So. Again, you, you are a, you, you a, have a consulting firm, so you'll understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> but that's a very progressive thinking, and I agree with you completely. And uh, working uh, with uh, as entrepreneurs, I think that's also phenomenal because operating with founders mentality is definitely the way forward. If you are going to have uh, people who are going to contribute or have creativity, which comes with the uh, which is far for the course um anyway so my next question is to do with technology now how has technology impacted the development sector especially in the last couple of years yeah so firstly not enough uh, we we are so afraid of technology you know just to get our projectors working we uh, we fight every day i'm i'm presuming a lot of you out in that audience do that and i always sit there and say I can't even get a projector working. What am I talking about? Technology, digital health, artificial intelligence, machine learning—you know, all of that, blockchain. So, firstly, we are not doing enough. We need to do a lot more. I think COVID has pushed us in that direction. Uh, although I still don't think we are doing enough because most of the calls that I get on, people don't even switch on their camera. So, I'm wondering—you uh, know—where the technology is gone. You, you were better off on old uh, those old—you know—those black phones that we had. was the same so we're not really using the technology we're not using it to collaborate we're not using it to partner uh, we are not using it uh, well enough in the way we run our programs we are not using it for data visualization we're not using it for measuring impact there is so much that you can do and then if you come down to actual solutions you can actually sitting in uh, you know in delhi you can do a diagnostic on for cervical cancer in gorakhpur you can do there is so much you can do and you could do that without any human intervention or without any technical intervention because there are tools available you know there are artificial intelligence based tools which are able to actually screen for tuberculosis for and i'm sorry i keep talking about health because that's probably the only thing that i really know a little bit about but uh, you know cervical cancer screening can happen um you there is so much you can do we don't use technology and i think somewhere we feel that technology will take our jobs away but that's not true they it will just make us more efficient and we really need to get efficient our country is suffering uh, we've got so many people suffering because they just don't have quality we really need to use technology especially in far off places you cannot find an mbbs doctor in a small village in manipur you will have to use technology so i think there's a big role to play big big game changer yeah. um uh okay so now the divide between the corporate and the development sector is breaking and uh, you know there's a uh, lot more that is uh, they are learning from each other so what are some of the processes or systems that the development sector can take from the corporate sector you know i i was in the corporate sector and you know uh, unfortunately anjali also gave my background so everybody knows i studied finance in my post grad uh, from uh, fms delhi but uh, i think one of the most important things is that in the corporate sector there is this one single focus of bottom line right we all chase the bottom line how 
much money am I making for the organization every day, every week, month, etc. In the development sector, we don't have that. Our bottom line is impact. When have we woken up and said, you know, what is going to be my bottom line today in terms of impact? What is it going to be one week later or two weeks later or one month later or one year later? So I think that is important. Remember that our bottom line is impact and impact is much more difficult to earn compared to money. So actually the private sector has it probably easier because it's very difficult to get impact. It's also very difficult to measure, but there are ways to do it and we need to focus on that. The other thing is about uh, return on investment. You know, uh, what is the amount of money we're spending? What is the time, et cetera? So that's something that we need to imbibe in our system. Uh, There is a return on investment. If I am staying in a village for six years, why am I there? A hundred household village. I mean, this is a large country. So what am I doing? Why am I still there? And uh, how do I exit? And how do I make it sustainable as I move forward? So I think that's going to be important. You know, I had a very interesting experience during the oxygen crisis and we were path was right bang in the middle of it. We did a lot of work then. And I remember uh, we were procuring certain solutions on an emergency basis. And my procurement team said, yeah, we have sent the procurement request to Seattle and now we are waiting for approval. I said, do you realize that if you wait for two days for approval, do you realize how many lives you may have caused the loss of? So that whole thing of, you know, time is important. Uh, scale is important. You need, really need to turn this very quickly. So I think those are the learnings from this side. I think from a you know private sector perspective, they need to get into empathy. They need to think beyond themselves. And they need to realize also that when they do stuff for the community, it always comes back. It always comes back. And you know, you, you ask uh, uh, you know, Sanjeev from Unilever, he'll tell you that. You ask any of the top leaders in India, Godrej, they'll tell you that, that it always comes back. Agree with you. I'm going to ask you a tougher question now. What can government learn from the development sector? Well, I think the first thing that the government really can learn from the development sector is that, you know, they have so much money and such a large organization. We have this much money and a small organization. Their dependency on the development sector needs to be zero. Uh, you know, I, I remember going into a government meeting once and somebody asked me from the government, this is so, you know, what are you doing here? And it was a bit of a you know nasty question. Why are you here? I said, sir, I'm here because you're not doing your job. Because if you do your job, I don't need to be here. I can go home, you know? So I'm here to fill in that gap of you not delivering on your promise or your what you're supposed to do. So I think one important thing is accountability. I think the government uh, needs to really, and I think we've seen, a, I've seen a huge shift in the last uh, decade of the government really taking accountability. Um, officers are fantastic. I've, uh, you know, I've been, with district uh, uh, collectors, I've been uh, with the central governments, I've been with state governments, and we have some really good officers. Unfortunately, our processes have bound them up and they can't move very fast. So I think that's gonna be important to really simplify some of those things, to empower them, and again, let them be creative because they have all the answers. You don't, you know, they don't need me. They know the answers. You know, somebody has been working in the immunization program of uh, Bihar for the last 20 years, he doesn't need Neerajan to come and tell him what he should do with immunization. He just needs the government to untie his hand so he can actually deliver on that. Or what deliver on that. Yeah, so, so the very Yeah, absolutely. So the government has uh, has uh, to really uh, go there. They have to build leadership. That's the other thing that I think uh, government would have to do. 
um, build leadership, encourage leadership, and uh, let people be creative. Let people uh, fail. Uh, don't uh, you know? There's a lot of penalty in government if you fail and uh, if somebody complains against you, etc. That needs to be sort of softened out. Um, so I think those are the things that I would say. Okay, I'm going to change tracks and ask you a question on talent. So, what are the shortcomings of today's leaders in the development sector? I think the biggest shortcoming is uh, the, you know, we we I, I find that a lot of times we think more about where is my salary going to come from in the where, where do I get funding to build the next project so that I get my next salary. So I think uh, you know that that as a as a concept troubles me to no end because you know we're here to put ourselves out of a job. Um, but I think that's so. So if we start focusing on impact. I think that's uh, you know one of the big shortcomings. I I don't see too many leaders focusing on that. I don't see too many leaders actually thinking about uh, you know creativity or doing things differently. A lot of our programs have been running. You know if you if you look at some of our programs, they've been running exactly the same way for the last 15, 20 years, and we're not we're not trying to put in something new. We're not trying to think differently. So uh, that's I think uh, going to be absolutely critical. Uh, bring some of those new ideas. I think also uh, new talent. You know, there's so much young talent available in India. And uh, most of these are the people who are actually hanging around our governments as consultants and advisors and all. I think they yeah. should be empowered. I think, you know, some of them are great. They would be able to run some programs very well. So uh, th there needs to be uh, a lot of uh, change in the way we operate in terms of uh, uh, bringing leaders in. Superb. Um, okay, so uh, social media, of course, has become very important in the last few years, especially during uh, during the pandemic. Uh, and, uh, you know, personal branding on social media has also become very important. So any practices that you as a leader follow, which you would like to share with our listeners? So firstly, I'm very embarrassed because I'm one of those people who, who's always tweeting and you know, posting on LinkedIn and I have people call me and say, what the hell are you doing? You know, you're just kind of talking about yourself all the time. How full of yourself are you? Uh, so unfortunately, uh, yeah, that's the way you get noticed. And it's not, uh, you know, it really helps the organization because if you don't talk about your programs, etc. see, who are we talking to? We're talking to our stakeholders, our donors, our uh, partners, you know, people in the, in the sector, uh, we talk to our uh, governments. Uh, we want them to see us. Uh, so that's what we do. So from a business perspective, if I were to say, uh, you know, that's that's absolutely uh, important. Um, I think it does rub off on the individuals. So I can tell you, I get a lot of headhunter calls because of my active participation on social media. The visibility in the right the visibility, <laughs> absolutely. So, you know, if I get the next uh, job, it'll probably be come from there. So I do get advantage out of that. Uh, I do get invited to talks like you. I mean, Sheetal, you wouldn't have uh, talked to me if I wasn't all over social media, probably. So, so uh, you know, it does help from that perspective, but uh, it helps the business. It really helps the business. Yeah. I think we... I have seen that uh, work very well. We, in fact, have a newsletter. We have social. Uh, we're constantly tweeting. We're constantly on LinkedIn, Facebook, whatever. So, uh, so it's it's, but it's it's a double-edged sword. So, you know, I think at some point, I sometimes feel we're using it too much, and I see a lot of organizations using it too little. You know, they do such yeah. great work. 
but they don't talk about it and uh, you know i think that could that should also change uh, agree with you with the world becoming flat now you know you can have a donor sitting in any part of the world also you could have somebody helping you from any part of the world and we've even seen during covid times that you know social media really did help people find a, a hospital bed or an oxygen tank so it did connect and you know that was uh, but uh, yes i agree with you social listening visibility knowledge sharing so multiple benefits and of course we follow you on social media so my final question to you before of course we take audience question is that you know what is your two pieces of advice to the rising stars of the ngo world on how they should manage their career so we have a lot of people in the audience who are in their late 20s early 30s and they have a 30 year career ahead of them so what would you advise them some pearls of wisdom sure i think a uh, few things firstly um you are you are the future of the country so please continue to do what you're doing passion is important but it's not all from the heart you know we really want your minds you know we really want these young minds and they are brilliant shital you, you if you sit with some of our 30 35 25 to 35 year olds in our office the things they come up with you know they is just fantastic so keep the creativity going you know stay in the sector we need you the country needs you and i think you'll you know you'll feel very proud of yourself um when you reach my age and uh, you know you have a lot of gray hair so that's one uh, that i would uh, definitely say i think i also want to say that uh, you know don't don't be afraid be fearless uh, yeah. because the sector sometimes sort of pushes you down and uh, you know it's uh, it's it's you need to just be yourself uh, you need to be able to be you know vocalize you need to be able to push uh, you need to take stands i think it's important yeah and if your individual strong doesn't work with the organization then you know so those are some of the things that i would suggest in fact uh, while you were saying once somebody in the audience has typed in and said ask him for advice for mid career professionals as well so <laughs> yes we would like to take this question forward well i, I mean for mid career professionals i mean i i switched to development when well i'm 53 now so secret's gone uh i switched to development about when i was 44 and my wife believes it was a midlife crisis i bought a motorcycle and i came to development so you know uh, that tells you a lot about me uh i think for mid career professionals also it's very important uh make sure that you are ready for the long haul it's not easy uh i had a tough time getting into the sector um i was actually willing to work for free uh, to start with because i just wanted to test it out uh it's uh, also uh, don't you know don't think creatively bring your insights from the rest of the you know your career bring all those insights in uh, get in touch with third sector partners they are a great placement organization uh, they now i've earned my evening <laughs> so uh, but uh, but yes moving from the private sector to development or within development and think think uh, a little bit creatively in terms of career path also you know i think those days yeah. of staying in one organization for 10 15 years i don't recommend you know come yeah. in do your bit move to the next one or the next sector or whatever and development is all the same yeah and stay in touch with other people networking internally externally building your contacts building relationships and uh, yeah i agree with you completely uh, so we have audience questions we have bhumika who's going to ask us a question so yes uh, 
can we have the spotlight on Bhumika? Hello, hi, Neeraj. Hi. So, my actually, I want to ask is like, as we all know that uh, not just in India but worldwide, the social sector and the not-for-profit played an important role in handling the adverse and harsh effects of the pandemic. So I wanted to ask you that, how do you think that the new social work professionals and young people like me should develop their leadership skills or skills, you know, like to be able to work alongside the government? Yeah, so firstly, I need to tell you that the government is no hawa. Okay, don't be afraid of the government. The government is just humans like us, uh, you know, and they are well-intended, uh, mostly. They, you may find a few who are, you know, just there because they get a salary and they are waiting for their pension. But mostly, I would say 90% of the government uh, people that I've met are very well-intended, very intelligent, very smart. So firstly, you know, don't, uh, don't worry about that. When you say that we, uh, the not-for-profits uh, during the pandemic uh, handled most of things, sorry, I don't agree with you. You know, it was a collective effort. The government did its bit. Good or bad, you can, you know, you can have a scoring sheet for that. Uh, not-for-profits did their bit. Again, good or bad, you can have a scoring sheet. And the private sector also did its bit. Hugely. I mean, I, you know, if I look at organizations uh, that came together like ACT grants, um, I mean, unbelievable. And I've been talking to these people and he's talking to me about putting one PSA plant somewhere and I'm like uh, checking his background and this guy runs the one of the largest investment banks in India. And he's figuring out how to get oxygen to people. So it's been a collective effort. And, uh, you know, I, I would, uh, I would say that it's for the first time, it's all come together. You know, people have come together to solve for a problem and I'm not sure if we solved it very well. Uh, my children, I must tell you, Bhumika were used to look at me and say, you know, you were, this is during the peak of the third wave. I mean, I was at home. I couldn't even run away. Um, <clears throat> they would ask me, you work in public health. What the hell is going on? You know, what are you doing? Why are you sitting at home? You know, <laughs> so it is overwhelming. Don't get overwhelmed. We do our bit and we try and make as much of a difference as we can. <laughs> Thank you, Neeraj. Uh, our second question is from Anjali Hari. So could we have the spotlight on her, Anjali? Hi. Hi, Anjali. Uh, good evening, Neeraj. Good evening, Sheetal. Uh, so, so I have one question. Uh, despite of busy schedule and transforming lifestyles, what are some ways in which the healthcare of youth in India can be increased and how effectively this can be communicated to them to see some significant effect? This is a, a very important question, Anjali. And I think, uh, you know, we need to spend a little bit more time on our youth. Uh, right. In fact, uh, you know, one of the things that I've noticed when I live in Delhi is that my children are not allowed to go to parks and play cricket or football. Why? Because there are people walking there, old people, because uh, the plants may get bad. So they don't have a place to play. Correct. Now, to me, that is the, the biggest disservice you can do to our youth. We are actually discouraging them from going out and playing in the park, right? So I think we really need to focus on their physical health. Of course, some kids uh, in, in the new generation are pretty conscious, but we also have the other side of obesity. You know, we have that huge problem to deal with. The larger problem, and we've just done a, a landscape of the mental health, uh, you know, uh, tools in India. That's a huge challenge. We really have to get our act together. You know, we have to... Uh, schools uh, were not opening. I mean, schools had to open. 
kids had to go out we absolutely we, we yeah. locked them up and said sit in front of the screen and uh, thankfully mine have gone to school this week so i am very very happy uh, they have were very smiley when they went but uh, we need to be and they they're in class 9 and 11 so they've gone but class 5 6 they're still not going what are we making out of these kids you know we are really causing a disturbance so uh, mental health is going to be a big challenge and i think we need to really focus on that i think overall we need to put our uh, younger generation in front of us you know we we've lived our lives i think it's time that we really focus on them um, i would have you know i'll tell you i'm in kathmandu right now and they are starting a vaccination for their 12 to 18 with a pfizer vaccine in the next 3 weeks how brilliant is that you know the older generation hasn't got vaccinated they're going down to this because they want these kids out there so uh, it's about how you think about your children and how important they are uh, they are you know and especially the adolescent the youth is going to be our demographic dividend Absolutely. but i think we are protecting yeah. them yeah Thanks. thank you so thank you so much thank you so cool. so yes any more questions one more question from the audience um, if there is any um, sakshi shital so yes there is one question so that is what are the qualities you look for in a future employee and why i you know i for me the uh, the quality that is most important is a uh, being able to think outside you know think crazy i like crazy thinkers you know come up and give me the craziest of ideas and i'll be listening uh, very 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 attentively i like entrepreneurs i like people who go out there and get things done uh, for me i've never managed to recruit somebody who just gives you those standard answers uh, and uh, you know wants to run a program because they've run a program for the last 25 years uh, i've never managed to recruit any of those so you you really i i would i would want the person to be thinking out of the box the person to be thinking creative uh, the person to ask me lots of questions i what i like about the youth is i you know i most of these interviews i do with the 25 30 year old kids they walk in and they say hi neeraj and i'm like already blown away you know i could never do that when i was that age i think uh, they're also not as financially wound up as i probably was in my youth you know i got out of university i needed to make money i needed to make lots of money these guys they care about the environment they care about uh, all the good things around us Uh, they have a they have a stand you know they will come up and tell you i, I don't agree with what you're doing um, and then you have to explain why you're doing what you're doing and maybe also listen to what so i think you know those are the things that uh, that for me are extremely critical uh, when i look at a person <laughs> superb neet thank you so much we have run out of time we can ask you many many more questions and i'm uh, uh, thank you so much for the wonderful insights and really enjoyed your answers on uh, critical questions on leadership of course with a dash of humor which we also enjoyed so uh, really appreciate your time and i'm sure our audience will write in to you on that note thank you goodbye and everybody stay safe thank you thank you so much itel bye take care bye everybody